a very good friend of the show, Tyson Stelser, and we're going to be chatting about an event this week. Good morning to you, Tyson. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Richard. I think Look for the Good should be the theme of our year this year. And my, there's so much to look forward to in the wine world right now. It's great to <laughs> chat with you again today. Yep. Welcome same. aboard. And uh, well done. You are the consummate media professional. <laughs> lovely segue. Well done. Um, so, you, uh, you set me up for that perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, uh, Tyson, we've got obviously, sorry, for listeners who do know, but to be reminded, Tyson is now the editor of the James Halliday Wine Companion, uh, and it, the awards are this week coming. We could not ask for a better time in the wine world right now, and after we've come off everything from the last few years, there's been drought, there's been heat waves, bushfires, vintages plagued by all kinds of things, not to mention the extreme impact on the wine industry, obviously, of COVID and what that has meant for workforce and sales and travel mm. and off the back of that then the China tariff debacle which meant that Australia's biggest export market literally disappeared overnight. Mm. It hasn't been easy time for winemakers and yet in the midst of all this we've come up against the 2021 and 2022 vintages which in our tastings for the holiday companion are looking to be two of my favourite vintages possibly since 2002 and the the, the level of initiative that our winemakers are putting into making their wines, even in spite of the challenges that they've been facing, means that we are seeing some superb wines coming through right now that fly in the face of everything that they've had to deal with. So it is so exciting to see that, and it's good to have some good news at a time when the world is reopening. People can get out to wineries again. We can go to wine events. We can go to restaurants. Um, we are in a great period of history right now. Yeah, Fab. Yeah, they're a resilient bunch, the old winemakers. But um, you know, they've they've been thrown a lot of stuff, and it's such a you're you're right, Tyson. It's a great time to be in wine at the moment. And I find it ironic in that you would expect that in the times of hardship we might see the wine suffer, but in fact, it's during the times when things are easy and pretty cushy that perhaps it's true of the human spirit in general yeah. that some would get a bit complacent. Yeah. Winemakers are a resilient bunch, and especially so in Australia. I mean. These are rural Australian farmers facing the elements of one of the most extreme countries on the planet and never less so, never more so, sorry, than in wake of um, the extremes that we're seeing with global warming. And I think because they are rising to those challenges, the wines that we're seeing coming through are more attentively crafted, more carefully um, devised, was introduced last year for the first time in the Holiday Awards, the Viticulturist of the Year, recognising that it's the work mm. in the vines that ultimately makes great wines. Yeah. And we're seeing some beautifully expressive wines, more diversity than ever. We're announcing the Holiday Awards, of course, on Wednesday night this week. And we are seeing winners from, from the big who's who in the mainstream regions, but we're also seeing winners from the remote outposts, from little-known wineries, and we're seeing varieties coming forward that we might not have expected to. And that is just testimony to the fact that there's a wonderful diversity of wine out there performing at the top level. And we're super excited to see those results and can't wait to announce them. Yeah, it's, um, it's always a, a, a great event to, um, to, to watch online. So how do people, just on that, how do, we, how do people yeah. engage with, with the awards to watch those um, on Wednesday? For the first time in years, we are back on with a live awards presentation in Melbourne. 
mm-hmm. um, to actually shake hands and break glasses with the winners in person, which is super <laughs> exciting. We've also found over the past few years that the interest in hearing the stories of the wineries and being first to discover the winners is something that a lot more people around Australia and around the world want to tune into than we can possibly cram into even the large room in Melbourne. So for that reason, we're broadcasting uh, the, the entire presentation and the team has put together some beautiful videos as part of that, actually visiting each of the winning wineries around the country and just capturing the people and the places and stories and what really makes the wine world so compelling. So everybody can tune into that and that's going to be broadcast on Channel 31 for you right, in Melbourne cool. and for the rest of the world through, if you just jump onto winecompanion.com.au, there's a link there that you'll be able to tune into that presentation and be the first to discover the winners in what is, I reckon, the most anticipated announcement of the Australian wine calendar of the year. Well, that that will be a must-watch. And um, uh, to follow that up, on Thursday, you've got... Um, what you call Taste the Awards. It's the um... Come along and taste all the winners. Yes, Thursday night, so there's an opportunity for anyone to jump in with us and meet the winemaker of the year, taste the wine of the year, discover the winery of the year and other winners alongside them. And mm. that will be um, taking place in Melbourne. And again, the details are at winecompanion.com.au. So it's in South Yarra in Chapel Street. Yes, um, okay. And uh, there's still a few tickets available, apparently. So if people jump I on today, there yeah, they may not be after this wonderful broadcast and spreading the word. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want it full, you know. If you, oh, yeah. So it hasn't been on for two years, so it gives everyone a oh, chance yeah. to yeah. to come and um, yeah, have a an actual try of the things that that, that have um, been judged, you know, the the best in the country. Yeah, That's and good. Tyson, can you give us? Can yeah. you give our listeners take us into the sort of inner sanctum of how many wines yeah. does the team look at per year for this, for the the venerable James Halliday's wonderful book? The wines that we're presenting this week are the the absolute top top of a huge set of wines. Over the last two years, I've expanded the tasting team, so we've now got tasters on the ground everywhere from Queensland where I live right across to. Perth, where Aaron Larkin's been tasting um, extensively this year. And across the whole team, we've tasted more than 8,000 wines for the book and the website and the magazine. And of those, every taster pulls out their top wine of every variety and every style, of which there are 18 style categories. We lines them all up at Mitchelton in um, your back blocks there in Victoria earlier in the year and tasted them all blind this year for the first time, revealed last year that blind... And all eight tasters then cast their votes on which they thought were the best. And out of that, we filtered out our 18 category winners, lined them up then to choose our sparkling of the year, white wine of the year and red wine of the year, and then tasted those three off again blind. Although by that point, when you know, <laughs> not, not much point in blind when it's just sparkling versus white versus red, the obvious. Mm. Um, but um, that then determined our wine of the year. So I'm, I'm just going to put that in context for the listeners. Mm. If I was to sit down every day for the next 365 days, I would have to taste <laughs> 22 different wines every day to get to that amount. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine? That's unbelievable. Yeah. Imagine your bottle bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's about what we're doing each day. Of course, tasting becomes much more intensive toward the end of the cycle for us, which yeah. Yeah. is generally between November and March, because at that time we've got a lot of the new wines coming out. We want to make yeah. sure as up to date as possible, accounting for the fact there are long publishing deadlines, of course, of any book. 
So while we're um, in a quiet period of tasting, like right now, for instance, where the wineries are getting a lot of wines ready to bottle and just starting to release some new vintage white wines now, um, most of the tasting is compressing to the second half of the year, but we're increasingly trying to taste throughout the year as much as we can. And rather than holding off all 8,000 of years to be released in the book when it comes out this week, as we've done in the past, we are releasing a lot more each week through the website because we're conscious that things do sell out and more interesting for consumers to have access to new yeah, wine reviews yeah. every week rather than only one big go. But the book's still important and there's still a printed book and will be for many years to come. So the book itself... Um when can we get it? Wednesday. So it's released after the awards Wednesday night. It'll be in bookstores Thursday. And as always, it is literally as many wines and as many pages as the printer can physically get into one bound volume. <laughs> and obviously that's not everything we taste, but anything's not in all the, all the top wines are in the book. And then everything else is on the website, of course. And, and of course, wineries sit there going, oh, I wonder if I'll get the five stars and, you know, whether you know they're in that that sort of most yeah. sought after category, and that's it's something probably more significant to them even than the wine ratings themselves. Those winery mm. review star ratings, are, are, and we see them promoted everywhere, of course, and that's, that's very significant for them. And they need to maintain it, though. It's not like you get it and you have it forever. You, you need to you need to keep up the good work, don't you? Exactly. We're looking at the wine reviews this year, and also how they performed last year and in recent years to give a feel for whether or not they uphold their level because there's no point in a consumer going out and for a five-star winery if that was one 20 years ago off wines under a different regime. Mm. They need to be up to date, exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's it's a wonderful thing to sort of look on the bookshelf and pull out the old books too and just sort of see how they've changed over the yeah. years and stylistically. I love that. I've still got hey, I've got so many. I actually I don't think I've ever thrown one out. And, no. But I, yeah, I must get revisit them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Well, I get, it's one of those things and Tyson, you know, you join in any time you want in terms of what mm. what the importance to the book just to mm. the average punter is because I started my wine journey with James Halliday books and I'd go to Margaret River and I'd be like, right, what are the wineries I should go mm. visit? It, what it, mm. that's, that's how exactly. I used it. It was 25 years ago that I fell in love with wine and it was through reading James' book and it was James exclusively tasting back then, of course, a bigger team. Now the wine world's a bit bigger and James is doing an incredible job of still tasting a lot of wines, but it was his insights and inspiration that first led me to become a writer and kind of full circle then to move into chief editor position and, and lead the team going forward. Oh, well, that's a nice story. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's... Um, uh, I've got a, um, a brother-in-law who's who's associated with wine. He's he's uh, more so works with the viticulturalists um, yeah. uh, with irrigation. But he um, so he when they um, when they're tasting the wines at Coldstream um, Hills, um, James's place, he will taste. He'll he'll crack a Stelvin. He'll put a, a little bit in a glass and then put the cap immediately back on. And then those mm. wines they. Then give out to, to people who they you know who, yes. who work with them who are associated right. and yeah. um, but they could be three weeks ago and, and they really haven't gone off with yes. so little amount of time with oxygen. Yes, and when you're not taking much out of the bottle, there's there's not too much opportunity mm. for it to develop. And I did the same in Queensland. It's a bit warmer, so I put them in my 12 degree cellar so they stay fresh. Mm. Um, if it's a great wine, I like to look at it multiple times and just get a feel for how it's evolving and, and assess my review accordingly. Mm-hmm. But um, Everything else, yeah, there's um, lots of open bottles that are shared around the community. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to be a neighbour of one of the wine writers? 
exactly. That's it. And if anything, <laughs> if anything in our systems is untasted, as in um, sometimes we get duplicate bottles and such, which it's called Sylvia after two bottles, and a lot of those I personally and a number of other tasters use to donate to charities for um, mm, fundraising, idea. and that's, that's a good way to add a little bit back into the community too. Yeah. Tyson, I just want to extrapolate a little bit, though. So you mentioned before sometimes you will taste a wine over a couple of days, three or four days, because yeah, it, it, it can absolutely change, can't it? And sometimes it'll peak on day three or day four, depending on the structure of the wine. There's a wonderful insight, particularly for a young wine that has a long future in the cellar ahead of it, in looking at how resilient that wine is to oxidation when the bottle's opened and how it performs over a few years, oh, sorry, a few days opened, will give a great insight into how it will perform over many mm. years in the cellar and you're right particularly for you know young cabernets that might have a very long future before them they do look better the next day mm. and i guess that's why when you drink a young red like that it doesn't hurt to decant it give it some oxygen wake it up mm. a bit um which which starts that process in a little bit of an accelerated form well i remember when we chatted with mac forbes um a, a little while ago and he said you know, open open three Pinots and have them over the week. You know, you don't have have to. So you can have a look at yeah. number one the the differences, but also how they are then different day to day to day. Exactly, and there's so much more insight for your palate in opening multiple mm. wines with comparing than there is in one at a time because you really start to notice the nuances and assess them, and build your own knowledge of regions and varieties and vintages and producers in a, a much more um, kind of considered way. If you, I've, I'll usually put two glasses in front of friends when they come over for dinner and compare wines, and your, your palate resets with each taste. Then, when you go backwards and forwards, and that's a wonderful process. Mm, yeah, it's a really good good thing for people to to try and and um, and and also to remember. Well, one thing I used to do mm. when I was running the Cellador Tarawara was to have a wine open. You know, just cracked and one one day old, two days old, three days old, four days old, and at the end have a flight of five of the same wine and go, what do you think about mm. these? And inevitably mm. they always liked the ones that had more oxygen over a couple of days and mm. it just blew yeah, their minds. It was sure. all the same wine. Mm. Mm. Amazing. That is interesting. Um, now, Tyson, you, you do other events. So so we'll just recap. So, um, uh, the you know, taste the awards. So this is the... You know, some of the, the best wines from the awards on Wednesday night are available Thursday. Um, you can go to the website, the Holiday, Holiday Wine Companion website, yep. Yeah? Yep, winecompanion.com.au, that's it. Um, so that's in South Yarra. It's, I think, 149 bucks is your ticket yes. and all those top wines. So go and see if you can get a ticket. That should be some still. Um, yes, and then you do other events. Um, I know there's a trade tasting uh, for all Proseccos, uh, Italian um, Proseccos this week. And then is there anything else that we can come and, as, as you know, the public, come and um, come and do with you as far as tastings in Melbourne? It's so fantastic that the wine world is open again and we can travel mm. and, and host events. And I've, I looked at my calendar the other day and realised I've got 26 event days in three countries and almost every state of Australia in the next seven weeks. Wow. So it's um, it's wonderful to have the chance to share the great wines of the world. And, of course, champagne is a real passion of mine, and as a result of that, I love focusing on the great sparkling wines out of Tasmania. And more recently, I've teamed up with the Caneliano Valdobbiadene region of Prosecco, which is the most premium appellation there, and I'm hosting some tastings for wine trader media in Australia in Melbourne, Brisbane in the next three days and we'll extend those into some bigger tastings with the producers themselves next year, so more on that then. But in the meantime, 
the um, the focus for me is around Champagne Event 2, and I've got a whole series of events coming up in Perth next month, and um, I've got dinners and tastings in Brisbane too, and uh, we will relaunch post-Champagne next year again, and um, of course come back to Melbourne with that series too. Did you go to Taste Champagne this year, Simon? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. good, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it was really good. Yeah. It's a massive event this year. That was that great, was yeah. Congratulations on getting it back on board because it was like yeah. mm. you sort of in the room, you sort of toasted everyone there and it was just a nice moment to think, well, mm. we haven't done this it for was. so long. Really special atmosphere, wasn't it? It was um, amazing to get back to London and do our second Taste Champagne event in London and have exactly that same feeling that, and if there's one beverage that people love to celebrate and bring together and use to to raise glasses it is champagne of course and um covid made that difficult for us and not quite the same tasting champagne over zoom so it was um it's so special to get back together again we're finding unprecedented demand i'm doing a, a wine weekend with champagne of course in tasmania's sapphire resort in two weeks time and in the past we've generally sold about 30 um, places to that um, this year we sold out all 40 places and we had more than 40 guests on the wait list for the first time too. Wow. So it's great to see the interest again in weekends away and champagne tours, tastings. I'm hosting this year. Last year I hosted a 25th anniversary tasting of the great 1996 vintage and shipped in literally direct from the cellars 16 of, of my favourite wines from that vintage. And this year I thought, well, let's do the 20th anniversary of 2002. So we've got dinner coming up in Brisbane in October nice. where we look at everything from salon to crew. And um, again, straight out of the cellars direct. So it's wonderful to celebrate those great vintages at the prime of their life. Oh, 20, 2002 salon's got to be one of the great champagnes I've had. That's a brilliant wine. Having it out of Magnum recently, I was absolutely astonished. I mean, that wine is not even a quarter of the way through its potential lifespan. It will outlive all of us, and it just gets <laughs> better and better every single year. Just profound. Mm. Um, Tyson, we have a, a text line here that um, listeners can text in questions and okay. comments and yeah. things. Um, and a, a regular contributor, Christopher, um, said that what he loved about taste champagne is is tasting the, the champagnes that you can't easily get at retail. Um, mm, mm. So... Yeah, everyone should keep an ear out for that. So how would people Thank best... Thank you, the checks in the mail. I really appreciate your support. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. One of, one of the big challenges for the champagne market in Australia, Australia has grown like no champagne market in the world in the last 20 years, from a million bottles back then to now almost 10 million record champagne shipments last year. But when you compare us with every other big champagne-consuming country, and we are now the biggest outside of mainland Europe for per head of population consumption. Mm. But the thing that lets Australia down is that there is so much of a bias in our buying toward entry-level supermarket discounted big house champagne and the rate at which we're buying the growers, the vintages, the prestige cuvées, the uh, more perhaps smaller production wines and certainly higher-priced champagnes is very, very much lower than every other major champagne country. So... I'm glad that you've acknowledged that about Taste Champagne because there's no better way to discover those more perhaps obscure or more unusual champagnes than to get in and taste them yourself. And I say to people, come to Taste Champagne, go through the list, taste everything you've never tasted before, and you've got your buying list for the next year straight away then. Yeah, and I, I just had a mate who got back from Champagne, and even as a wine professional, he's still amused by the incredible amount of champagne houses that he hadn't heard of when he was scooting around Epinay and Ram and all that sort of stuff. There are 5,000 different brands 
making their own champagne. Literally, most of them don't get out of champagne itself. But in Australia, we really only see a few hundred of those. So yeah. there's a, an enormous champagne world out there. And over the years to come, I had a lunch um, recently with Stephen LaRue, who's the managing director of the Great House of Charles Hydesack, and had this conversation with him. And he said, look, Australia is in a wonderful place at the moment because we have really built this champagne sales so much over recent years. We're in a perfect position and really poised to be able to now diversify and celebrate a lot more of these brands that we've never seen before and a lot more wines that we haven't really had access to. So I think we're poised for a wonderful period of Australian champagne consumption in the years Mm -hmm. to come. But we do start to see more of these things coming in, more restaurants pouring things that are not necessarily the the big brands. And that said, the big brands are on form and making some of the best wines I've ever seen, and I love drinking those too. So it's not about you know, growers are the best and houses are bad or anything like that. Champagne has great diversity. and That's what we celebrate in Taste Champagne by putting them all in the same room so everybody can compare. It's not about saying the growers are better than the houses or vice versa, but about putting them all together and letting people make up their own minds. Yeah, well, you'll be glad to know I'm doing my part. Last night we had a um, a Rotary two four two, which I think is a brilliant non vintage, and then absolutely the, fabulous. Yeah, yeah, and then the Agripar Terroir. Um, Blanc de Blanc. Oh, there's a great contrast between those. Exactly right. So that was such a great thing to try. I was so impressed with that Rotary 242. I was blown away by the quality of that for the price. We could literally talk for two hours on the story (laughs) of that wine and how that represents, I'm not not kidding, and how it represents the transition of champagne from the style of the 1980s, which was the Brut Premier, and now Jean-Baptiste Lacayon, the super insightful maker of that wine, has recrafted the entire recipe of champagne mm. for a world in which the vintages are warmer and the vineyards are more responsible and sustainability is in play and palates are more elegant and more refined. And there's a, that wine in itself encapsulates the, the modern transition of champagne style, perhaps more um, profoundly than any other. Mm. Uh, and the, the, the work that they're doing in terms of you know, organics and biodynamics, I think, for a, for a Grand Marc yeah. is, is the way to go. Absolutely unprecedented. And, I mean, this is an interesting conversation around Champagne too in that the responsibility in the vineyards that 20 years ago were the most irresponsible of the wine world in terms of pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, even Parisian rubbish, is now <laughs> a leader in looking toward bringing through, not across the board organics or biodynamics, but... For most estates, kind of halfway point to, to those regimes, but the rotor are fully biodynamic. And that in itself is making the grapes riper, more interesting, more textured. The wine's profoundly better across the board. But the problem is it, it reduces yields at the same as increasing yeah. the amount of work that they need to pour into the vineyards, yeah. which means the grape prices in Champagne have gone through the roof. And they're now paying €8, Euros, $12 a kilo for grapes compared to the Australian wine grapes, which are 80 cents a kilo, or at best in Tasmania, about $3 a kilo. And as a result, the cost of the basic ingredients for champagne is four times higher than the most expensive grapes in Australia. And yet we can still buy great champagne on the shelves every day of the week for well under $100, Mm. which I think is an absolute bargain for all it represents. And I don't think that's sustainable at, at that price point forever. So make the most of it while the price is still relatively mm. affordable. Mm. Yeah. Um, if people want to want to get a little bit more of an insight um, on, you know, different champagnes to try and to, to Christopher's point, you know, ones mm. that, that are, you know, not the 
or your point also about not the big houses that are discounted at, at um, you know, the big supermarket or big, you know, brands. Um, you've got a, a champagne guide that, that people can buy and, um, and download. Um, yes, so how, right. how do people and find that? Fact, yes, the big scoop for you is that by the end of the year, the champagne guide, which is currently in its sixth edition as a printed book, is going to be champagne.guide as a website and it will have every review I've written on champagne in the last 12 years and a lot of things that haven't ever seen the light of day yet from my recent tasting. So the first time the champagne guide online will be the next chapter and I'll also update the printed edition each year too because people love that. It's something they can keep on their shelves and mm. have as, a, as a, a book. And I think there's still a little bit of the current edition in retail stores, but if you can't find it, if you just Google it, you can get it any day of the week. I'm still shipping copies most days and signing them as they go from my basement under my house. So um, there's, um, it's great to see the interest in champagne still yeah. going strong and well in Australia, that's certain. Well, it certainly won't it won't get any um, less, will it? You know, it's only going to get more popular. And um, and as you, as exactly. people are learning more about it and um, and reading about it, you know, through your guide, for instance, or you know, coming in to chat to Richo and saying, "This is how much I've got to spend," and you can steer them in the right direction where it's not the obvious choice. So, yeah, and it's great now that COVID sort of we're in this little medium period, whatever you'd call it. I can open wine again in the store and say. They go, what's this wine like? What's this L'Anson Blanc de Blanc like? Yeah. Well, let's open a bottle and have a taste. That's a super wine. So they've, they've only really released that in recent years, and I was I was so impressed when I saw that wine. L'Anson is a house that I think in many ways underrated, but it has an incredible history and a wonderfully insightful chef de carte. It's very daring and very clever, and wines like that that have come out of that regime I think are, are superb by every standard, let alone the fact that in the global champagne world, Lonson is one of the best valued wines on the shelves. Probably Lonson and Piper Heisley next to each other. Nothing that's worth buying at those price points apart from those two brands. Yeah, and also there's a lot of... There, what I love about Lonson is you can look at the back of the label, you can see the harvest base, yeah. how many reserve yeah. wines and how long it's spent on its yeah. lease, and more yeah. importantly, yeah. when it was disgorged. Yeah, Exactly. Superb detail, and 20 years ago, no champagne house was doing that. No. And now mm. more and more have followed the lead of the great um, pioneers of, of disclosure, like Lonson, and it just gives so much more ability for us to understand what we're drinking, to properly classify it in the cellar if we're aging it, and I do with Lonson, even if it's the entry non vintage, it looks even better after a couple more years in my cellar. Yep. You can track it because they've got all the detail on the back. So. I mean, even just this last week, I tasted a new set of releases from Champagne Du Salmon, and for the first time, disgorgement dates on the back of every non-vintage and nice. Diane corks to keep them all safe and reliable and fresh. I'm like, this is this is the champagne world that I'm loving, <laughs> <laughs> and and have contributed a great deal to. I've been banging on about this with the houses for years. I mean, even with Krug, with Olivia Krug here, so I say no, we'll never disclose the base vintage, and now they've got. Edition numbers and QR codes and every detail and <laughs> wonderful descriptions from the winemakers on the website of every single disgorgement. It's a new world. And wow. It's exciting for those of us who want this detail. Yeah, yeah it is exciting. Yeah. Um, Tyson, we, uh, as always, we're, we're out of time. We could be talking this for the next <laughs> <Right>. hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, mate, good luck uh, with all your travel this week um, you. and your events and things. So people go and go to the holiday 
please give the website again because I've forgotten. Yes, winecompanion.com.au. And um, tune in for the awards on Wednesday night. We're announcing the best wines of the year and then see you in person to raise a glass and taste them all on Thursday night. Perfect. Good one, mate. Thank you. We will definitely chat again. There's so many things happening. Um, and um, Thank you, yeah. Thank you, Richard. Pe- pleasure. Thanks, mate.